Hello, beautifuls. Welcome back. Welcome to the Big Fat Talk Show. I am so excited to introduce you to our, to our guest today, and she's got a phenomenal story, and that's what the show is about. So, with all with, without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you D- Diane Monsanto. She's American. She's in Kenya right now teaching yoga. She left a successful financial service career to become a full-time yoga teacher and has taught thousands of yoga dance classes internationally. As a yoga dance teacher, mental health advocate, public speaker, performer, and life coach, she connects people to their joy and assists her clients in remaining true to their mission. Wow, there's so much more to that story, and I'm going to leave it to Dion to tell you more about herself. Mm. Hi, Dion. Hi, how are you, Nadia? <laughs> so glad to have you here. <laughs> Welcome to the show. And thank you so much for sharing this platform. And, you know, it's all about empowering and inspiring women and youth out there. And I think your story is exactly that. Thank so you. I'm not going to say anything more and I'm going to leave it to you. So tell us more about yourself, Dion. Okay. Um, my name is Dion. I am 52 years young. And wow. I'm here celebrating with you. Um, well, my oldest, <laughs> my oldest child is 26. My youngest is 21. Um, and the big part of my story that I think that brought me here is that my daughter is not here with me because my daughter died almost eight years ago. And she was an amazing, beautiful, brilliant child. I call her my black butterfly. Mm. I even have a butterfly tattoo on my wrist in her honor. But um, so many people have shame and embarrassment about certain aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to me to be transparent. because there's nothing in my life I feel I should be ashamed or embarrassed about. I live my life fully in the open, and my daughter died by suicide. Um, And so a lot of people find it shocking that I'll talk about her, but she was amazing. I loved her. She died at 15 years, Mm -hmm. and um, it's hard to imagine she would have been 23 this year Mm because, you know, her brother and her were just three years apart. And um, But I live my life in her honor, And I think it's really important that we acknowledge that all the people that we've lost by natural causes or by suicide still live with us and they have a life worth talking about. They have they have things they accomplished. They have things they didn't accomplish. And if I didn't talk about her, that would do more disservice to her and the community. Exactly. True. And then there's so many levels to her story that are really challenging because you know, this was this baby that started walking at seven months. She started talking. She was reading at four. She would look at words. Um, as you said, from America, I'm born and raised in New York City. So we would be on the, the trains. I think some countries call it the tube. So we're underground and she's looking and she would look at the signs. Mommy, that says D-O-G. What does that say? Dog. Okay, that says T-R-A-I-N. What does that say, mommy? Train. And we'd go the whole wow. train ride, we'd be going through this. And then someone would be like, oh my God, how old is she? Three. Wow. She knows all her letters? Yes. She can talk like this? Yes, she talks all the time. Um, and so she had this magic around her that she would pull people in. She was really gripping. And then she would cry all the time. And when she started school, she would be so sad by the end of the day. She's in the car with me crying. And then my son would come into the car and he'd go, Mommy, what did you do? I said, I didn't do anything to her. She just started crying. You know, big brother, Mommy, why is she crying? I didn't do anything. Um, And this would go on. Finally, I asked her teachers, like, is it normal? Like, does she cry in school? No. I'm like, 
I don't understand why she comes home every day crying. I was like, well, she's young, she's in school. Maybe it's all the adjustment of being in school now. She's in a big class. She has to keep herself together. I'm like, okay. And I just felt it wasn't right. I spoke to her pediatrician about it. Um, is this normal? She's a girl, you know. Yeah. She's on a period. You know, we get that period gets blamed for everything. Maybe. Everything. Hormones and periods. Yeah. Period. It's like, oh, she'll grow out of it. She's like a girl. You were a girl. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a girl. I, I, don't rem- I, I don't remember this. And then she'd get older and she'd want to fight. Because literally, a ritual was crying for 45 minutes a day. Ooh. That was just her normal. And I didn't see it as being normal. And when I try to have conversations with other people about it, it's like, oh, she's a girl. She'll grow out of it. You know, she's dramatic. Like, okay. She's excelling in school. She's excelling in arts. Um, we got to the point where she had a full scholarship. Um, she did dance. Mm-hmm. So in New York, most people have heard we have the Alvinelli Dance School, right? Popular Black American started a school because they didn't think Blacks could do ballet. So they do a summer program. She was the one child that got the scholarship. Everybody does the summer program. One kid gets the scholarship to go to Ailey. She gets the scholarship. Wow. She goes to Ailey. Um, she was published in English. She was published in Spanish. Um, she had written about 17 chapters of a book. She had finished a children's book. Um, <clears throat> she had met with a publisher. Uh, and she was, she was really, really, really embarrassed because at two points in her life, there were pivotal things that happened. At about seven or eight, we're not sure, and 11, she was molested. So this is a child that was living, highly functioning, brilliant, high IQ, living with depression and anxiety disorder. Now, I have been told that it's normal when children are as gifted as she is. You know, when we're thinking of the, the Picassos, the Basquiat's, and all these yeah. brilliant artists, brilliant. Yeah. you know, yeah. that there's some downside to extreme brilliance. So I'm like, okay, so she's a girl, she's brilliant, she has a period, so it's like, there was no sympathy. It's like, she'll grow out of it, deal with it, she's smart, blah, blah, blah. So the first time she was molested, we found out about it later. Um, it was bizarre because her behavior was really off the charts. And my mother and I were discussing that it seemed like something happened to her. Her behavior is too weird. So then I called, um, I was separated from her father at that point. So I called my ex-husband and I said to him, I said, you know, mommy and I were talking about Siwe. Her name is Siwe, and uh, Busi Siwe means blessing. And um, so we're talking about Siwe and said, seems like something happened. And he goes, we're on the phone. And he goes, well, it did. Okay. What happened? When? And like, how do you know? And I don't know. And he points out that I had told him to have a conversation with her. Okay, this so is her father. This is her father. My ex-husband actually was still legally married at the point, but it was her biological okay. father. And when we both got married, we each had one child. Um, so my older son is not his child. Okay. And he goes, it did. He goes, remember when I told you um, to speak to, you know, when you told me to speak to her about people touching her inappropriately? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I asked you if you had that conversation. You said it went well. Yeah. He goes, well, she told me something happened. And I'm like, on the phone with him, staring at the phone like what? You know, cell phone. Yeah, like, how am I hearing this now? Yeah, on the phone like two now. months later. Exactly. And he goes, well, I said, so why didn't you tell me? I said, do you understand that this child thinks that her body's not important now? 
because somebody touched her inappropriately. She told her father, we talk all the time, so she thinks I know. Mm -hmm. So she gets in trouble about not doing her homework. Mm -hmm. She gets in trouble about not making her bed. But we've sent this little girl a message that somebody touching her body without her permission was okay. Because you didn't act on it. Yeah. Her mother hasn't even spoken to her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you were separated at this point, mm -hmm. and you were co-parenting. Yes. And that was going well? It was going well. Okay. So this honestly... came as a shock to you, like, this is a big thing. And he's breaking it down to you like it's just something that happened. Just casual. All right. On the okay. phone. And, and I'm looking at him, at, looking yeah, at the, the phone, phone. Like, what's happening? Like, I don't understand. Like, this can't be happening to me. It's so surreal. So I said, okay, you no longer have permission to see her because your judgment is skewed. If you as her father, if her do your daughter can tell you some man touched her inappropriately and you did nothing about it, yeah. there's something wrong with your judgment. Okay. I've got to call the police. And dad, he's like, you really think we need to do all that? Mm. Yeah. And he has another daughter, mind you. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, clearly we need to do all of this. Yes. Clearly it's important. Yes. So in any event, I call the police. We go through everything. It turns out the same man, because my daughter's description of him was spot on, mm. um, had molested another little girl. It was in a restaurant. So big picture, we're co-parenting. Every other weekend, she's with him. So it's his weekend. They go visit his father, and they go to this particular diner. So she goes into the diner. And you know how a lot of these places, yes. when you go to the toilet or the washroom, there's one door, and then there's the men's room, and there's the ladies' I hear, room. Yeah. So you have to enter the main door and then walk into the yes. door. Okay. So because it's open, that's, that's really not a good opportunity. That's a horrible opportunity horrible. for a child on their own. Um, so this man came and touched her inappropriately, and she kind of started and ran back out and didn't go to the bathroom, but she never said anything. And because she never said anything, I just noticed her behavior because I know my children. Yeah. So the person apparently escaped bail and went back to his country. They said he was from Ecuador. And okay, fine. Life goes on. We explained to her but again. You took, you took charge oh, of I it. took control. You went to the police. Absolutely. She described him. Yeah. They found him. Yeah. Well, they didn't find him. Okay. Because but they, but they, the description was so important that yes. they knew who she was talking about. Yes. Because there was another yes. report on the same guy. And the whole problem was because we didn't report it right away yeah. and we didn't know the time frame, they thought he was back in the country. So they went to investigate, they went to his house, they went mm -hmm. to his, where he used to live, his yeah. girlfriend, they went to all the past so places. So he, he took off before your your report because there's yes. another report already on him. Yes, and when he was uh, out on bail, he escaped the country. He escaped, uh, okay. But you did the right thing, you did yes. what you needed to do. So she got to learn, right. uh, your body is important. Exactly. Nobody gets to touch you without your permission. Exactly. This was an elementary school child. Yeah. So absolute pedophile, inappropriate, no grown so man should be not, touching a child. At least she saw that action needs to be taken. This was inappropriate. Yes. We did what we needed to do. Yes. Great. What happened? And next? I made sure her brother was there too. Yeah. So he would understand. Like I'm so big with my boys. No means no. Yeah. No means no. Great. I don't care where you are in this relationship. No means no. Exactly. Just preach. I mean, <laughs> you preach. Know. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and I think it's important to make the connection that between the depression and anxiety disorder. And then having this trigger early in her life. Okay. Fast forward to being 11 years old. Now her period had started. She did have her cycle because her, her cycle started at 11. Um, the women in my family start early. Mm -hmm. And um, so before you say that, so mm -hmm. this from that time she was molested until mm -hmm. she was 11. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a brilliant girl still going at it. Mm -hmm. 
she was hurt. She has this scar from what happened yes. to her. But she's brilliant. Yes. That's the time she did a book. That's yes. the time she did, she made all the, had all those yeah. amazing achievements. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She still she played guitar. She played cello. So at five she was playing cello and violin. Wow. Okay. And then by eight I think is six seven or eight is when she started guitar. And academically she was excelling. Always brilliant. They so have, she was just an A student. And she had, she was an artist. She yes. had this amazing abilities, mm -hmm. and she was just an achiever. And always tutoring her friends, yeah. but also that person that's like, oh, I came home from school, mommy, I need the computer. I have an assignment. When is it due? In three weeks. Well, your brother has an assignment due in two days. I think he needs to use the computer. You know, yeah, back sure. then people had well, there were no laptops. Yeah. She had one computer <laughs> yeah. in the house. Yeah. Everyone had to use. So she always had this okay. stress. High achiever, you know, she must do well. This is a very important part of the story, like we were discussing earlier, to mm -hmm. understand that she was an amazing, intelligent mm. human being. Yeah, and good and athletically as well. Exactly, too. athletically yeah. and in her arts and in her, uh, her brilliance in her mind, mm -hmm. she was brilliant. And giving. Because this is a, a general misconception about a lot um, of people. Yes. So we get to that. Because, yeah, mental, mental illness doesn't discriminate. Mm -hmm. You can be intelligent, you might not be as intelligent. You might be rich, you might be poor, yeah. you can be of every ethnicity in every country. So now at 11, she's molested again. This time is particularly challenging because it was the same man, her father, her biological father, molested her. It was his weekend, and I was at church, and he called me and he asked me if I knew where she was. I'm like, it's your weekend, she's with you, what are you saying? And she goes, well, you know, she ran out. I said, what do you mean she ran out? This is gonna sound crazy. Now this is December 2007. Okay. He says to me, this is gonna sound crazy to you, but Siway and I talk about a lot of things and she's been interested in boys and I just didn't want her first, her first time to be with some knucklehead who didn't care about her. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with you. I just don't know what's wrong with you, but I've got to get off the phone with you. And I was driving, unfortunately, so I almost crashed the car when he says this, so that I park my car and I go back into my church so I can now speak to the pastors and explain to them. And everybody's shocked. We're all in a private room going, what? And they're like, well, where is she now? I was like, I don't know. So we keep calling her phone. We're calling her phone. We're calling her phone. And so finally, someone picks up the phone and she's at a hospital. Okay. So I live in Manhattan, uh, for those of you that know New York City. So I live in Manhattan in Washington Heights. So she ran, we all lived close to each other. So even though we're not here, the grace of having like a homestead or a compound, we lived less than a mile away from each other. So she was running from his house home to my house in December in New York, the day after a blizzard. So this is a Sunday morning. There's a young girl in her pink pajamas and her track shoes, because she ran track as well, running home in the snow with no coat, no hat, no gloves. So a woman stops her. A woman stops her, just some wonderful angel, angel. stops her and see, asks if she's okay and gets out of her car and puts her fur coat around her. And when Seaway would tell me the story, she was like, oh, I was so upset I didn't want her to put that fur coat on me because I don't believe in fur. She killed animals for this coat, but I was cold. And, um, and uh, such an activist she was. But um, it was in the dry cleaners, so they called the police. And then so someone came and picked her up. 
and they took her to the hospital. So I don't know who the woman is. When I went to the cleaners, they had changed owners. Um, and her story, you know, verified in terms of um, where he was and they contacted him. He was picked up and arrested the same day. He didn't deny any of it. Um, she was still worried about getting her book bag from his house because she had school tomorrow mm. and her homework was in the book bag. Mm. High achiever. <sighs> but this is where things really get crazy because Paul was a good father until he wasn't. I didn't always agree with him, but we didn't fight in front of the children. Sometimes things were tense, and we agreed that we were moving forward for the best in our children. Um, he admitted to this. Um, he went to jail for it. His father paid his lawyer's fees, um, and I stopped speaking to his father because I couldn't understand. I said, fine, you made a choice. You're choosing your child. I'm choosing my child, so I can't really deal with you that you would spend money to pay lawyers fees when he says he's guilty. I sat my children down, I told my boys, I said, if you're wrong, don't call me. If you have done something and you've been arrested, you know, um, unfairly, I will go to the end of the earth, you know, for you. But if you're wrong, don't call me. If you know you were wrong. And this man said he knew he was wrong. So it became, I started this thing in my head of trying to understand what's going on in that family and then we talked about the various levels of dysfunction in the family and how the sister had been molested by the father and repeatedly oh. raped by her for ye by him for years and by the time she told her mother her mother said it was too late to do anything about it and then oddly enough all of his aunts didn't speak to his grandfather only his uncle and his father spoke to his father and oh you know, his grandfather had raped his grandmother and that's how the youngest child was born. And then when my sister-in-law, they're all wondering, why haven't we seen Siway? Why haven't we seen Dion? Like, what's going on? And she tells them, well, Paul's in jail. You know, he molested Siway. And, he, and they're like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't talk about her business. Okay, so he came from a family that was, like many families, putting a lid on it every time. So I'm I'm here. There's but, nothing I'm not willing to talk about. But that's strong. That's 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 powerful because you just described many families out there that put a lid on such stories. Yes. But you've also described how such stories, if not spoken about and dealt with, carry to another generation yes. and a generation after that. Yes. So it's a ripple effect. Yes. It it's it's poisonous. Yes. And it moves on, and that's that is a result of. Yes. Right. And so when I talk about having no shame and mental health, because and we and then we delve further into us to hear about a couple of other people in his family that have attempted suicide. And then I start looking in my family and you know which aunt and which uncle always had to be taken care of or had a nervous breakdown. I don't know if that's a popular term here, but that was a popular term in America when someone had a mental health breakdown. So they're, oh, they're nervous breakdown. Oh, they're indisposed. They're away for a while. But no one talks about what it is. But you have to know if you have type two diabetes, if you have high blood sugar, low blood sugar, anemia, cholesterol, cholesterol yeah. um, cancer, all of these things you're aware of. Nobody knows the mental health history in their family because nobody talks about it. You can't prevent these things from happening if you're not engaging in a conversation. You're not weak if you have type 2 diabetes. No. It's natural. Maybe your father had diabetes already. That's right. But then you're weak yes. if you have mental health issues. That's the misconception, right? Oh, and, and, and that's why I'm not going to talk about it because right. people will see 
oh my gosh, she's, she's so yeah. weak, she's breaking under pressure, or whatever it is. That's the, that's the label they've set up. And you need to get help. Yeah. You know, so there's nothing wrong with getting support. Yeah. So, so you break your you, arm, you go to the doctor, they hello. put a cast on it. So if your mind is broken, your yes. mental health is broken, yes. you need to get There's this wonderful author I was on a panel with, or not panel, but speaking with Terry Williams. I can't think of the name of her book, but she has this line where she tells people, because it's all about talking to people within the African diaspora, yeah. right? Even in America, you know, we're there by unjust cause, but we talk about you know being in the African diaspora, you have to get your checkup, and how she says, get your checkup from the neck up. Ah, I love that. Get and your checkup from, from the, the neck, neck up. up. So it's not just the eyes and the ears, your mental facilities. There's, and there's different ways, and I know so many people are uncomfortable talking about it, and that's it. You know, when my daughter died, I was working in financial services, you mentioned. So I got, she was born, I got married, she died. Everything happened while I was working at Morgan Stanley. They were amazing. Um, they came out in full force. But one of my dear friends called me up and she goes, Dion, I told Tony that Seaway died. And he asked me what happened and I didn't know what to say. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what to say? She died by suicide. I can tell him that. What else am I going to tell him? I, I, I can't make up a story about my daughter's death. But that there, I want to suppose that. Why do you think people find it hard? You, you, you're a mother of a daughter who committed suicide. Why do you think people find it hard to say that? There's so much shame and embarrassment. And, it, and, and there's a girlfriend of mine started a nonprofit in my daughter's name called the Seaway Project. Um, she has bipolar 2 disorder. Um, I have not been diagnosed with anything, but you know, I've cared for someone who was. And there's so much shame. And it's global shame because the things are happening. They're happening when I'm here in Kenya. I've been coming back and forth to Kenya for several years now. And I see the news articles repeat all the deaths by suicide and the numbers going up and the mental health it's challenges. It is. Yeah. And so I'm really curious about what can happen and what we can do. But there's shame about it everywhere. And I think a part of it started within the church. Because when I think about it, years ago, death by suicide was a sin. And even the word, you even said it, committed suicide, that phrase comes from the fact that it was illegal. Like you would commit homicide, genocide, you know, all of these things. It's against the law. So we reframe the language to saying deaths by suicide took their life because it's not a crime. And what's really true for people, because I know so many people that thankfully have survived their attempts. They want to live but they're in such pain. You have to sit. You know, I want I want you, I want the audience, I want everyone that can hear my voice to sit and think of what their worst pain was. Did they break their leg? Was it childbirth? Or whatever that pain was, and think of that every day of your life. Yeah. They don't know how to live in such pain. So my daughter was on medication. She had been hospitalized several times. She had attempted suicide several times. She'd gotten into self-harm. And I know people out there have children that are doing this, um, the self, self-mutilation. self I hadn't heard of it. I had to research all these things. Um, and apparently the people that cut themselves and they cut someplace normally you can't see, inside their arm, inside their thigh, and then they wear the long sleeve so you can't see it. They have such pain and part of them feels 
it's not logical, so they're trying to create a physical pain to distract from the pain. Mental pain. Yeah, the mental what's, pain. what's mentally going on? But at the time of her death, she had cut her legs so bad, she, she looked as though she was a burn victim. I had already booked and paid for a summer vacation, and I couldn't sort out how, what kind of bathing suit was I going to put her on. My brain was thinking it was going to have to be like um, one of those diving costumes, yeah. you know, and paint on it and make it really funky yeah. so we'd have fun. It was a cruise ship, and we still went on the cruise, my boys and I, and um, even they were wonderful because I could, they upgraded our room because I didn't need as much space because it was me and two children instead of three. Um, and I, I think of the trauma, the weirdest thing, and this will sound really weird, Naja, but one of the weirdest things of being a mother of three children, boy, girl, boy, people would afterward, they're like, how are your boys? And every time they said, how are your boys? My heart was like, huh? And I'm like, right, yeah, I don't have my girl there. anymore. Oh. Something little yeah. like that. and um. And then seeing other mothers and daughters together. Um, and because she was a dancer, I'm a dancer, and we did shows together, and I have other friends, and I'd see them. So there's just different points in times where even I'm good until I'm not. Yeah. I want to know, what is what was C-Ray's relationship with her dad? The one, you know, her dad who molested her? They were very close. Because um, he himself was also extremely intelligent. Um, and so they loved talking about science, talking about animals. He was the one that played guitar and taught her guitar, and then we got her professional lessons. So they were very close. So what's really, that's why I say he was a good father until he wasn't. At some point, like I don't know what the switch was. You know, he did have a tragic accident at one point. I don't know if there was a, some injury. You know, the brain is so fragile. I am not making excuses for him. I do believe that hurt people hurt people. And I do believe that since his sister was molested, there was probably something that happened to him. Yeah. But I don't know. It's so deep in his family for so many layers. And people that rape people, it's, it's a thing of power. It's not about sexual satisfaction. Yeah. It's power and dominance. Yeah. And unfortunately, someone that's sick, someone that's a pedophile, they prey on children yeah. because they can show power over them. Exactly. Plus, we need to remember, his his father did the same. That's right. And probably that's right. We don't know, but we probably his grandfather before that. That's right. So he's a victim of circumstance. Yeah. And then he just took it on as natural and normal. And, and sorry to interrupt. Yeah. He didn't get healing. He didn't go to therapy. I'm here to talk about because you they're need putting to... the lid on it. That's the thing. How do you heal from such a thing? Healing is. A journey and I, I would say I'm still healing and I will still be healing because there are triggers things that happen things that you see that come up um, and I think I had I had my own levels of trauma coming up thankfully um, I wasn't raped as a child but there was lots of attempts you know I've always escaped it and then I got older and dated someone um, and I was a victim of domestic violence as well and that person you know went to jail and then at some point, um, I had a you know situation of rape with someone I was dating, and that I don't really talk about much. But because it, it, it's like the date rape and someone you're in a relationship with, people are like, well, you know, even in some countries like a husband's rape wives, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so it's like, but at the point you say no and someone forces you, it's rape, period. So it's not as violent. It can't be as clear that that people 
Yes. So, I mean, so I have had all these things. And when you ask about healing, I just mentioned there were all these other aspects of needing to heal and, uh, and forgive myself because women are told it's your fault. If something happens to me, it's my fault. And that's so unfair that societies globally put it on the women. So my healing has been an aspect of forgiveness for myself and acceptance of my body. And even at one point, um, I figured, I thought I needed to gain weight so men would leave me alone. So I gained weight, and you know this, different people bother you. There's always some man that's interested in you. I know. There's always someone interested in you. Um, But yoga is a part of my healing. Meditating is a part of my healing. Talking about my story is a part of my healing. And creating a platform of joy so people know that's a space that's available to you. That being happy is your birthright. Yeah, and and I'm going to keep looking for that and that journey of healing um, within I, I worship with Ghanaians and there's the within the African tradition like I have a name a day name with the Ghanaians Abana Asua Abana and Asua is water Abana is a woman born on Tuesday and I do feel that very aspect of my personality is like water and I keep making this little thing because I think of myself as I'm going to find a source for joy. So water is always going to find a way to get to the ocean, to get to the river. I'm going to find my way to joy, so whatever that say is. That yoga was your means yes. to finding that peace. Yes. And that your healing will continue to go through. Yeah. I mean, it will, will flow through your yoga. Yeah, it's yoga and it's through dance, it's music. When I can't do one thing, there's something else I can do. I can't get out of the house, but I'll meditate. You can't, you can't ever say that I'll heal. Oh no! Yeah, because oh, there's no, no replacing seaweed. No. Yeah, so that's the the, the message oh, no. here to everyone to everyone watching is that you know don't you, in the search for complete healing, you know, I've, I've healed mm. is in it's 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 not possible, right? Because there is a scar and there is a loss, mm-hmm. but where you need to be is a place of peace. Yeah, and then now, like you said, the search for joy. Yeah. So it's always a search, but yeah. it needs to be onward and forward. Yeah, I hear you, and I'm so really I need nice to ask so. I agree. And and with domestic violence as well. I'm really blessed to have a good nuclear family. You know, my mother, my grandmother, she's since passed. But during that period of time, so many family members and friends. And I say friends like family. And I love social media. And one of my hashtags is I love my village. So even though I'm born and raised in New York, my village extends to my family in St. Thomas, St. John's, St. Croix, and then people that I've worked with in other states, and then my yoga family, and my African dance family, my corporate family. And I think I've created created deep connections you know you think of all the you know Anansi the spider and how you I've spun my web in my life there's so many people I'm connected to and they support me so when my daughter died my house was full every day people came they cooked they cleaned they did laundry they helped with homework um, I, even though I'm in the city, I'm in the house, and I would come downstairs from my bedroom, and I'd look around, and I'd see these people here doing things. Like that first year was just a fog, but there was always somebody there. Sisters would come and do a healing circle, and we'd sit. Um, the church, constant. 
Your support I system was so strong because question, you Naja. spoke about part of it, your daughter's death openly and didn't put a lid on it like okay. many people so may decide to do. Women I think, good question, Naja. I think that's a part of it, but I think that I'm also open to receiving. I think so many of us, um, women in particular, but people in general, we're going to figure it out on our that's own. That's the message we're gonna be strong. here is you I can do it, I can figure this out. Ask for help. And I was like, no, I'm okay with asking for help. I can't. I cannot get through this on my own. I cannot. You can't do this alone. Yeah. Yeah. And your people will surprise you. And if they can't help, they'll send someone. Someone who could Because you reached out to people who do you like. So big up to your circle. Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you something because I know there's a love story beneath all this. How did you find love after going through so much trauma yourself and that of your daughter? How did you find love again? Um, I think a part of it... Not how did you find love again. How did you open up to love again? And I was about to... I'm glad you reframed it. Because I was going to say, I think a part of it was always believing I deserve it. Just in the same way that I deserve joy and I deserve happiness. I deserve love. I am worthy. Um, One of my favorite dance teachers and meditation teachers, I, I model... A lot of what I do when I teach dance and meditation from what I learned from her um, always talked about worthiness. Yeah. And I'm like, I am worthy. Okay. And so I'm clear I'm worthy. And just being that, that's the first part of it. Because when we're told things are our fault, then we go into this punishment mentality. And then it's almost like, well, I don't deserve this. Yeah. I'm not worthy of this. I haven't achieved this thing in my life. So that's powerful. So you're talking about your, your, way back to allowing love into your life was through first self-loving yourself. Yes. So self-love. Yes. So love yourself. Yes. Understand your worth. Yes. And then you will be able to open the other door. And that's how you create a because standard. Yeah. Because if I love myself properly, then I've set a standard for how someone else is going to treat me. Exactly. But you know why I was asking this question was also towards the angle where a lot of women tend to um, hate men mm. generally. You know, mm-hmm. I was abused. I was beaten. My daughter, you know, the mother. So I'm just done with men. I'm done mm. with this. You know, mm-hmm. how did to the woman who's listening out there, watching the show and thinking, how did she do it? You mm. know, I was beaten too. How did I? How can I get back to allowing the man into my life again and, and allowing myself to love again? So, what would you say to her? Oof, a big one, um, dear friend, um, housemate that watches my house while I travel the world. She's really good about setting the standard. And she was someone that was clear with me. So I would say, you have to have a good village. And I think whether you're in Africa or in America, we've gotten away from that village thing of talking to your elders and speaking to the youth. And because that was a informed, that was sort of a mentoring that was built into the culture. So you'd get an idea of what you should ask for people. So if you're always looking at the women in your family and they've just, you've gotten seen two generations of your, the parents and aunties and you know, all the dadas being beaten and like, well, I guess that's what it's supposed to be. And it's like, no, I deserve something better than that. You know, um, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't deserve to be beaten. Yeah. You know, this is so, not so. It's, so it's setting a standard. Yes, but also not not throwing this blanket on all the men and saying no. everyone's like this. Because if it's not, if that's the same thing we would do. You know, here there's some 
So every black person, every white person, every Somali person, every Indian person, it's, you can't, there's no standard. So it can't be every man or every woman. So I challenge women if they say, oh, men are, sh I was gonna use profanity, men, <laughs> you know, it's like men are garbage or yeah. men are dogs. And then it was like, well, and then women, men, women are crazy, you know, yeah. especially if they're on their period. So it's, like, it's not men, it's not women, it's people. And it's that one person, that one yeah. person. So who's the man in your life right now? Roger. Roger. Hey, Roger. Roger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, my last question, uh, Dion, is um, is there anything you would you wish you didn't do, or mm. or you wish you did better? The only thing that I can think of, I had three kids, single mom in a house, a corporate career, in a dance company. Um, with coaching clients. My daughter wanted a pet. I'm like, I have three kids, y'all are pets. That's, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. You know, so it seemed callous, it seemed cold, but the idea in my mind of bringing another thing into the house to take care of, and I'm envisioning cat litter stinking or dog poop on the floor, and now I've got to get up early to walk the dogs because they're not going to walk the dog. But, um, Animals have a certain healing energy to them, and I know that now. And when I start down a certain road, and I'll say this to any mom, dad, human being listening, what I know now is not what I knew then. So it's really important. So I'm clear if I start going, oh, I should have. I didn't have that information then that I had now. Yeah. I'm just like, it's another thing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, okay, this kid is allergic to that. This kid doesn't like this. This kid has to be at school. This kid has a project. I've got a deadline. You know, oh, there's a tenant downstairs. Did they pay their rent? And now when does the dog have to go out? And when does the dog get shots? And has yeah. it been spaded? And what, you know, they, they have their own health issues too. I couldn't fathom the idea of taking care of another thing. Okay. But yeah. so that's the one thing I think might have helped. Right. But I don't know. I'll never know. Yeah. And I think the power is uh, not being able to look back at the what ifs. Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. but, but you know, it's about, like I said, the show is about empowering and inspiring. So if you had, you know, that message that you just shared, mm -hmm. somebody else was listening and it, it does help. Yeah, you know? that's, that's it. Yeah. Forgive yourself. Yeah. Know that you did the best yeah. you could with the information you had at the at time. The time. I want you to give one last parting shot mm. to the mother out there mm. who's lost a son or a daughter or a husband. Mm. And I mean, a wife, she could be a wife, she's a sister, whatever. Yeah. But she may feel inadequate in her, in her role. What I want to say to every woman, mother, daughter, sister, wife watching is if you're dealing with someone that has a mental health challenge and if they unfortunately end their life, just hear my words, hear me wrapping my arms around you to give you a big hug, and hear my voice, and know it is not your fault. Wow, that was a very powerful story. How many scars have we justified because we loved the person holding the knife? Let that sink in for a moment. In the, in the words of Ali ibn Talib, fear the sins that you commit in secret, because the witness of those sins is the judge himself. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Big Fat Talk Show, hashtag BFT, hashtag Hey Najda. See you next time.